this week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Alamanta by Brant Bjork. I would imagine this album is more entertaining if you're high. A lot of bands can tr- will try to pull that off, but they'll just be boring. Unfortunately, nothing really ever happens. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Jason Ziak. Uh, Mr. Jason, we are uh, recording on an off day because I am in the middle of newborn, um, I don't know what to call it. Hell? Hell, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, we're, <clears throat> we're all friends here. Yeah. Well, we're getting into that like four hour sleep, screaming bouts. Um, prior to the podcast, I actually drove around in my car for 20 minutes trying to get the youngin to uh, fall asleep. That was that was unsuccessful. Although I did spy uh, on a country road by somebody's barn a pretty sweet 71 Dodge Dart that looked like it could have just used a little um, love and affection and it would have been shined up real nice. But uh, so how have you been? Uh, okay. Everybody over here has been a little sick here and there, but yeah, not too bad. Yeah, little Nina's got a little bit of a cold. We had to use the aspirator. Actually, Katie did. I didn't have to. I wasn't there. She said it was quite a horrific experience. For those of you who have not had children, basically it's a a thing you shove up their nose to suck out the snot. Yeah, it's pretty, so, pretty awful. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna, we should segue out of talking about sucking <laughs> snot out of babies. And... Um, we should try to uh, get to the music because that's why our wonderful listeners join us every week is to hear us banter back and forth about music. And uh, as we are want to do, we are getting to another listener suggestion. This one's an old one. This one goes back quite a while. And it was the only one that was made by Mr. John Dallas. And uh, I apologize for taking so long to get to his suggestion, but... We are finally getting around to Brant Bjork and his album, Jalamanta. Now, I had a hard time with this. I, I thought it was Jalamanta for a while, then I thought it was Jalamanta. Jalamanta. Alamanta. Okay, it's Halama, Alamanta. <laughs> the J is either silent or an H sound. I always forget because I'm assuming that's a. Spanish you forget because. You forget because you're, you're from. Buffalo, New York, and when yeah. you see a J, you, you pronounced it. I pronounced the J, <laughs> unlike like jalapeno or right. guacamole. Jalapeno, jalapeno. Yeah, so this is uh, Alamanta. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with your pronunciation, and it's Brant Bjork. His record that is from 1999. And Jay, uh, who do we know, or where do we know Brant Bjork from? He was founding member of Caius, and he was also in Fu Manchu for a couple records. So he's got a nice resume, as we like to say on the show. He is a founder of what uh, I think we've talked about in the past. Uh, it's referred to as Stoner Rock. Yeah. This would be a... If, if there was a Mount Rushmore for Stoner Rock, it would be <laughs> possibly Brant Bjork. Um... 
Or Desert Rock. That's the other two. Or Des- Desert Rock's a good one. Okay, Desert Rock would be even better. So it'd be Brant Bjork, uh, maybe Josh Ohm from uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Would that would he be up there? Well, of course, yeah. And then a big blunt. <laughs> and then uh, a palm tree. I don't know. Nick Oliveri. Nick Oliveri. That's a good one, too. So basically <laughs> all the members of Caius. Yeah, all the members of Caius, essentially. I don't remember what their lead singer's name was, but I know it wasn't one of those guys. Before we get into the history of the band, I want to mention, I want to say thank you. We got a couple of nice five-star reviews with some kind words from a pair of listeners, Godard and Rocket Dog 2000 Both gave us some really nice uh, words of encouragement and feedback, and they both gave us five-star reviews, so we greatly appreciate Excellent. that. We guilted people into the five stars. It only took like eight months, but we are finally guilting people into the reviews. Nice. Thank you very much. So let's do the history of Brant Bjork. History of the band. Uh, Brant was born in Palm Springs, California on March 19th, 1973. In high school, he formed what would become Caius with Josh Ohm, which we mentioned, Chris Cockrell, who was replaced by Nick Oliveri, and John Garcia. Uh, Brant played on all of the Caius releases except for the last album uh, and The Circus Leaves Town. And then in 1997, he joined Fu Manchu for the album The Action Is Go. He left Fu Manchu in 2002 prior to the California Crossing tour, and he played on a total of four albums with Fu Manchu. While he was in Fu Manchu, he released his first solo album, the one we're reviewing, 1999's Jalamanta on Duna Records slash Man's Ruin. And from 2000 to 2010, he released nine solo albums and he played on several Mondo Generator albums. In November of 2010, Caius Lives formed with Oliveri Garcia and Bruno Fevri replacing Josh Ohm. And then uh, Scott Reeder replacing Nick Oliveri. So that is the brief history of Brant Bjork's career. So, Jay, uh, let's just get into this record because it's kind of an interesting record. It's basically mm-hmm. a, you know, in between Fu Manchu while while playing with Fu Manchu, should mention he was a drummer. Um, while in between albums with Fu Manchu, he goes and records this solo record, and uh, everything was played on the entire record by Brant Bjork: all the guitars, vocals, bass, drums, except for uh, there was a few additional guitars by uh, some friends of his. And uh, on one song, uh, which we'll get to, there is a uh, vocal and lyrics by a friend of his. Mario Lali is the name of the uh, vocalist and uh, lyricist on the song Toot. And he also played some guitar. So here's my question for you, Jay. Knowing what you know about Caius, knowing what you know about Fu Manchu, uh, is this the album that you would expect for Brant Bjork to debut uh, his solo career with, or is this a departure? 
Um, I don't think it's completely unexpected. I will say that had I not uh, found and watched the documentary uh, available on YouTube, it's like 10 minutes long, I think. It's not very long. Mm-hmm. About the making of this record, my review probably would have been much shorter. <laughs> In fact, it probably would have been simply, this album sounds like a bunch of Fu Manchu demos <laughs> um, that the rest of the band hasn't played on yet. Um, but since I watched that documentary, it did influence me and give me a better appreciation of what what he's he's trying to do here mm-hmm. um so yes i mean it does at the root of it rhythmically um even vocally when the vocals do appear um and also from you know just a riff standpoint um and a sound overall sound standpoint i think it's you know the the underbelly and the the basic tracks of of what you would hear from a Fu Manchu and maybe some like some of the Kai stuff. Um, the thing that's weird is that to me, uh, being more familiar with those two bands and coming into this, it sounds like it's missing you know, the crucial element that makes those bands what they are—the big fuzz guitar. Right. Um, so you got the bass tone and you got the drum parts, and you even got some of the guitar the secondary guitar parts, but you don't have the big riff guitar. You don't have the big heavy fuzz guitar, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, really threw me off. You also don't quite have, obviously I think Fu Manchu has a pretty, um, you know, a pretty straightforward pop, just songwriting, you know, from a songwriting standpoint, they're not doing anything uh, super experimental or, no. you know, jammy. Uh, obviously Kaius is, is more in that direction. Um, they're more, way more progressive in terms of what they're trying to do from a song standpoint. Um, you know, this is somewhere in the middle. So that was the other part of it that kind of threw me is that uh, not only is it missing that guitar, but from a song standpoint, you know, you get in, you start getting into the songs and you expect them to be sort of a traditional structure of, a, you know, intro, verse, chorus, verse, but they don't really do that. Um, they're very, oh... I guess repetitive or it's, it's, it's more of it's, you know, from watching documentary, I, I get what he's doing. You know, it's more about trying to communicate to him what the desert's like and trying to make just music, not yeah. necessarily songs. It's or, almost like a soundtrack album. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what was most important to him is to be able to communicate through just through music um, you know, what it feels like, you know, where he's from, where he lives. Um, and from that aspect, I think it actually works really well. Um, the problem is if you don't have that context going in, I don't think you, you would get it. I mean, uh, do you agree with that? Well, but, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that kept popping into my mind is the, some would say repetitiveness, but there's a groove to a lot of the songs where they're literally like six minutes and it's one riff repeated over and over again. They might yeah. take an instrument away and add it at times, but it's, it's very repetitive. And it kind of reminded me of some kraut rock, like some seventies mm-hmm. German kraut rock where it's all about just like a trance groove. Yeah. And when I sort of approached it from that aspect, I really, kind of appreciated what he was doing 
because it's really hard to find that groove a lot of the times. Um, a lot of bands can tr- will try to pull that off, but they'll just be boring. Yeah. Um, I think because he's a drummer, that he's able to find those grooves. I mean, you know, that sort of defines the the Fu Manchu sound is is finding those grooves that, that match up with the the you know the drum grooves that match up with the sweet guitar riffs. Yeah. And um, you know, there are, it's funny because if you took like the five songs that actually have vocals on them, you'd have mm-hmm. a really good EP. Yeah. It would be a really interesting EP, but he just adds like seven of these instrumental tracks and they're all sort of different. Like there's one, uh, number track six, let's get Chinese eyes. It's very jazzy. You know, you yeah. can tell he was listening to like Ornette Coleman and, and, and Coltrane and stuff like that. I mean, it's very atmospheric and jazzy and, you know, improvisational sounding almost. even wrote on uh, track eight defender of the oleander it sounds movie soundtrack ish yeah. like it could have these a lot of these tunes could have been like could have been used in movies as music beds sure um but with the songs that he actually does get to the lyrics he or he's able to incorporate those you know kraut rock grooves and come up with some pretty interesting stuff um track four too many chiefs not enough indians this the weird song that I thought of when I was listening to that was Jonathan Fisk by Spoon because it has that like driving uh, repetitive up-tempo beat to it the same way that that Jonathan Fisk song has true yeah There's not a whole lot that actually calls back to his time in Fu Manchu or Caius. I think you get a, get it a little bit in Automatic Fantastic and um, Her Brown Blood has a little bit of a yep. Queens of the Stone Age feel to it. Um, but a lot of it is very, I don't know, there's like some Santana sounding stuff going on. Like Cobra Jab has that kind of feel. Like it could have been a 
yeah. Santana could have been soloing over it and stuff. And um, that uh, that song, uh, it, it definitely feels like you feels like the desert, but it also that guitar part. <laughs> it's like I, I when I listen to it, I'm like imagine myself like sitting in the desert next in the dirt next to a, a cactus with a bee buzzing around my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like the guitar part's like. Just he, he turns that cranks the tone knob down, and it's just like this, you know, buzzy guitar sound over top of your in your head, floating around. And there's like these percussion instruments, and it just sounds I don't know, like kind of annoying. I, it's in, a lot of these songs are interesting for you know thirty seconds to a minute. And you're like, oh boy, um, if the if the groove, especially the, like those with the, where they introduce the extra percussion. And they're a little bit more about it's just like oh but the the ones where like defender of the oleander like where it emphasizes getting that groove right mm-hmm. and there's a little bit more like suspense i guess in the song or drama in the songs yeah. you know just enough to kind of you know kind of keep you there and keep you interested in what's going to happen I mean, unfortunately nothing really ever happens well yeah um, that's sort know, of the, the downfall of the whole record is like nothing really happens to, in a lot of these songs after after you get into the first minute or two you kind of got the whole song yeah and i guess that's the point or, mm-hmm. or you know suppose i guess we're the, we're probably two of the wrong people to be reviewing this record from the standpoint of i would imagine this album is more entertaining if you're high i was gonna say that this must be amazing <laughs> yeah to I just mean, like chill being, out to it's being reissued on vinyl um if it hasn't already at the time that this episode comes out so there's definitely a, a, a obviously a fan base for the record and my first guess would be that is the fan base for this record well I, it, it, it's like you know and obviously that's an element of Fu Manchu, but you know, if the fuzz, the loud fuzzed out guitars is just a little too harsh for you <laughs> in terms of, you know, harsh and your mellow, this um, is probably good for that. Kind of just totally zone out to it. There's nothing that ever really happens on this. It's going to kind of snap you, you know, kind of take a left turn or wake you up. You know, that never comes. And for you and I, that seems to be something we're looking for. Mm-hmm. you know law me into a sort of mood and then all of a sudden take a left turn and like kind of catch my attention i don't think he was intending to ever really do that so here's the thing that's interesting and i wonder if we have to take into account so this is his first solo release i'm wondering if part of the reason why there's so much instrumental stuff and even like this the uh first song that he sings on on the album is uh uh, track two, Automatic Fantastic. The lyrics are just kind of spoken. They're, they're, there's not even really sung.
I wonder if this these were really more like just kind of basic sketches because I've listened to his other stuff and he's done work he's done you know five or six more albums by himself he did an album with a backing group called the operators he did an album two albums with a backing group called the bros and then he did an album uh the following year actually called sounds of liberation which was under the name che those are much more fleshed out yeah. like they're more song oriented than this is so i'm wondering if in addition to like he said he's trying to make it like a soundtrack for the desert I'm wondering if it was also more like he just hadn't really figured out his vocal and that's what was sort of missing from this record uh, and it sort of took him you know working through these songs and then he's able to move on because I mean basically his first release after this he didn't put it out under his own name um, did you watch the documentary I, I did not have a chance to watch the documentary but I do he, discourage or I do encourage he, everybody to go watch it he claims that he pretty much re- recorded all the stuff on to cassette and had in his head exactly what he wanted to be um, and, and pretty much recorded, like, you know, demo, pre-demoed everything the way he wanted it and worked every single aspect of the record out um, on his four-track, book time uh, at the studio, went in and basically, I think he said three weeks uh, from start to finish finish the record and it's pretty interesting in terms of uh the guy who produced it i think he's it's his first first time producing moving from the engineer's uh, role to the producer role and he himself was you know uh, confused how this was going to work with one guy you know basically doing a whole entire record that uh of this sort of nature sort of expansive groove oriented you know songs and performing all all parts of it um and he would just come in methodically and start usually start with drums and just add the drums play the whole perform the whole drum part perform the whole bass part perform all the guitar part you know sort of methodically went through and did it so mm-hmm. the documentary i got the impression that he you know this was specifically what he wanted from start to finish now as a songwriter and just as a musician I think it's safe to say he's probably matured since then, considering this is his first solo record. Um, and this is probably, he makes a point to say this is something he really wanted to do as a response to what he had been doing in Fu Manchu. So he probably purposely was trying to do something different from that. So, you know, in a weird way, I think this is what he wanted to do at the time. It wasn't like, you know, he just didn't finish it. Um, hmm. But I would say he pro- it's probably more like he, he's just not fully developed in terms of at this point in terms of you know who he is as a solo artist right and it's uh he hasn't put anything out in the last couple of years his last release was uh march of 2010 gods and goddesses and he had been pretty prolific in terms of albums like i mentioned he had what did i say he did uh, nine solo albums in 10 years so yeah. plus the mondo generator stuff so I don't know what he's been up to uh, in the last couple of years, and his website doesn't say anything. So mm. be interested to, like I said, his other stuff is a little bit more fleshed out. So I'll be interested to hear, uh, you know, what he's working on currently, um, other than the you know the Caius Live stuff, obviously, which I don't know if that's going to actually turn into a release at some point uh-huh. or not. 
from what I remember seeing, Josh Holm is suing the pants off of those guys. So I'm not sure where that project's at right now. <laughs> yeah. So any final words on this particular record? Um, just, you know, I, I think it's, for me, it, after what, like I said, after watching the documentary, I have an appreciation for what he's doing. I think the way it fails for me is that it is heavily jazzed influence, which he admits the problem is, you know, to me to play jazz, you have to be an exceptional musician at, I think he's an exceptional drummer for mm-hmm. his genre. I don't necessarily think he's an exceptional guitar player or the, the bass parts are actually pretty cool too, but you know, it just doesn't have that, um, that really just inspirational performance aspect to it. You know, it's just, right. It doesn't quite connect for me on that level. So let's get into the rating then. Um, I mentioned, I think there, if you take the instrumentals out, I think you have a good EP. I think I have a split, basically have a split feeling on this. I think as a re-listenable thing, or a re-listenable uh, piece of music, I think there's a good EP here of like five songs. I think the album works as well as a whole, though, if you just want to put it on and like close your eyes and relax and listen to like this repetitive groove kind of carry you over and over again. I don't think I can quantify it as a really successful album because it has to be the right moment for it. Mm-hmm. So if you're wasted and high, this is an awesome album. <laughs> okay. um, if you if you just want to listen to some rock music, I think there's a good EP here. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm similar to what you're saying. I, I would almost take it down a notch and say... Uh, you know, just from a song standpoint, <laughs> it may be a single for me, but because actually because of the production is I love the production of this record. I think it just sounds. Yeah, it's really dry it, and like minimalistic and it really draws you in. And it's very, I don't know, it's very human sounding. It's very you, you can connect to it, you know, and it's got an emotional mm-hmm. uh, feel to it because of that. And I think there's things that happen that wouldn't that draw you in just because of the way it sounds. Um, so I would move it to an EP just based on that uh, that 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 aspect. But uh, yeah, an album would be a stretch for me. And then in terms of comparing it to artists, I think when we cover like Fu Manchu, Caius, and Queens of the Stone Age, those are pretty obvious comparisons. Um, I mentioned Krautrock, which would be like bands like New and um, uh, Kraftwerk. Those are coming from a more uh, electronic end. Uh-huh. So those aren't necessarily the best comparisons. Uh, Jay, did you have any that you thought uh, that people might be interested in in terms of finding their way into this particular album? One that came to mind moments was uh, at moments uh, on this album was uh, Secret Machines uh, oh that's a good one just from the uh, sort of the drum bass um, they, can, they can be repetitive um, but you know I think they have more you know hills and valleys and crescendos and a little bit more dramatic aspects to their music but there's mm-hmm. definitely similarities into the grooves and sort of the headspace I think that this tries to create um you know, it, 
is similar to what uh, Secret Machine kind of does. So that was one that came to mind every now and then. And obviously, you know, all the bands that this guy is is associated with, you know, there's there's elements of Fu Manchu here. There's elements of Caius. Yeah. Elements of Queens of the Stone Age, you know, kind of. You know, it's from the same, it's from the same, uh, you know, ingredients. Um, so, you know, if you if you like those bands, I don't think this would be a huge reach. Um, obviously, if maybe this is the um, if you're a diehard desert rock fan, maybe this is what you listen to on Sunday mornings. Yeah, instead of NPR, you put on uh, Brant Bjork and <laughs> chill out. We mellow out a little bit, but you still mm-hmm. want to keep the rock edge. Yeah. This might actually be a good one to put in the crib if you're trying to get your uh, newborn to fall asleep. You just yeah. put uh, Indio on repeat and uh, so probably lull them in a fairly short period of time. Not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have thoroughly covered Brant Bjork. I'm assuming it's Bjork because it's B-J-O-R-K, just like Bjork the artist i never double checked that i don't think it's bjork that would just be ridiculous so brant bjork and his album jellamanta if uh you like what you heard just like our friends godard and rocket dog 2000 please consider leaving us some feedback at itunes we appreciate the positive feedback though um, we do understand that you can leave negative feedback we prefer that you don't uh just to keep our you know, fragile ego, egos uh, in check. And if you'd like to um, uh, leave a comment on this episode, we do have our discuss uh, message, or not message board, but commenting system up and running on the website. And you can always stop by our Facebook page and our Twitter feed to leave us some feedback. Uh, that's it, folks. Jay and I will be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation at digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. While you're there, support the podcast by visiting our donation and merchandise pages. And thanks for listening.